Welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. Uh, this is episode 60, and I wanted to talk about a couple of subjects uh, that have been interesting to me, uh, especially for the last couple of weeks. Frankly, one of them for the last couple of months now. Um, back in February, uh, it was announced that there was going to be a new Superman movie. And like everyone else, I was kind of expecting it to be the return of, of Henry Cavill as, uh, as Superman. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. In fact, what it looks like is uh, Warner Brothers and DC, uh, they've brought in uh, writer ta Coates and uh, producer J.J. Abrams, and they're going to do a black Superman story. Now, as a black man, I don't have a particular problem with that, uh, especially since they have characters like, uh, like Calvin Ellis and Val Zod, but... Um, something struck me as, as strange about this, especially when uh, I started hearing that Warner Brothers and, and DC were going to not only go with the black Superman, but they were going to do a black Clark Kent. Now, that's when the problem started. That's actually when I started thinking, like, why? Why on earth would you do this? Like, why would you do a, a black version of Clark Kent. It just didn't make any sense to me. Especially since, I mean, again, you have Calvin Ellis, who uh, not only was is Superman, but is also the president. Like, there's a, a whole bunch of story that can be told from that. I mean, you can tell uh, a lot of different types of stories. You can tell a brand new story, a brand new original story from that. You don't have to take the Richard Donner template for Superman. You don't have to take any other template from Superman. You could actually tell a unique and different and enriching and engaging story about a character like, like Alice. You can even, even if you wanted to take the, the Clark Kent element and have it as part of the story, you can tell the Val Zott story. I mean, he was adopted by Jor-El and, and Lara. He, uh, he was sent to to Earth along with uh, Kal El. I mean, so you can you can have that that story as well. And one of the things that was interesting in that story is that, especially in, in the Hollywood Reporter, was they were talking about that uh, Coates has the insight and experience to delve further into this line of thinking, not simply through a Superman who presents as white, but one who presents as black. Now, the, unfortunately. That's exactly what it feels like. It feels like they're just making a Superman who's black. They're telling Clark Kent's story as if he was black. And and that doesn't make sense to me. Because, I mean, there's no way that a character... Like, even from the basic elements of Clark Kent's story... Like, there's no way, in, in my opinion, that you can have that story... Have the kind of perspective that a black character would bring to it or tell a kind of story like I mean, Clark Kent's a, a farm boy from Kansas like how are you going to tell that story with a black character and are you just going to tell that story like I mean is is he going to run into racism as when he tries to become a journalist will he only uh, cover black stories and black issues as a journalist I mean it's 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 strange and I know it's it sounds limiting but the problem I, I see is that it looks like they're, rather than going with perspective, they're going with parody. It's like you're taking this character 
and just slapping a black face on him and saying, hey, you know what, here you go. And considering the problems that uh, Warner Brothers has had with with representation, especially uh, what's been going on with, with Ray Fisher, like it's it would behoove them to really kind of rethink this story. Now, I know that uh, before, you know, people get in the comments and, and start talking, especially the, the ones I don't want to hear from, the ones that are uh, going to compare this to uh, black characters like Miles Morales and uh, Sam, Sam Wilson and, and Riri Williams. I'm going to tell you something right now. Though, those characters, see, that, that's, always, that's actually been another problem that I've had is people looking at black characters and saying they're just making a white character black, and that's completely different. If you actually bother to read the comics and learn about these characters, they had they may have some of the same uh, powers or powers as these as the their white counterparts, but their perspectives and histories are different. They're completely different characters. Like Miles Morales is not a is not trying to be a black Latino version of Peter Parker. You understand? Like, uh, Miles doesn't have to deal with, uh, you know, losing his, his Aunt May and, you know, <laughs> losing his Uncle Ben and, and all that. Like, he has, two, he has two parents. He has, he has to deal with the experience, especially lately, of having his parents know his secret identity. Like, know that he's a superhero and having to deal with that at home. That's a completely different story. It's a completely different narrative for two characters who happen to have at most the same type of powers. I mean, even looking at Sam Wilson, like Sam is not trying to be Steve Rogers. Their experiences are completely different. Their lives are completely different. What makes them what makes them both Captain America is that their ideals align behind behind the symbol of Captain America. That's the reason why they work. That's the reason why Sam works as, as Captain America. That's the reason why Bucky worked as Captain America in the um, in the comics. Is that the symbol was one thing. The character made it made it something interesting. It was like Steve brought his own perspective to being Captain America. Sam brought his own perspective to being Captain America. Bucky brought his own uh, perspective to being. Uh, Captain America. There's now going to be a Native American Captain America who's going to bring his own perspective to the character. See, the characters, the Captain America is a symbol. It's what the person brings to that symbol that makes it worth reading, that makes it interesting. And even going to Jon Stewart, like Jon Stewart has his own story completely divested from Hal Jordan's. They both are, it's, in essence, they're both space cops, but they both have different perspectives and different lives and different uh, different ideals and different ideas about how to do the same job. And the same can be said for Riri Williams and Tim Fox. All of these characters have different perspectives, and those perspectives and experiences make them unique characters who happen to have the same powers or have this or have created the same. Uh, Things, especially like uh, Ruby Williams creating her own armor, or Tim Fox taking on the mantle of Batman, all of them have taken have taken those symbols and put their own perspectives on it. And I don't think you can do that by turning 
this character into a black man. You can't you can't do that with Clark Kent. I mean, he if anything, I would be watching the entire movie like wondering why. I mean, if there's going to be a, a, a black Clark, Clark Kent, does he meet a black Lois? Is his Lois black? What, what color is Perry? In essence, you would end up taking away from the story because the because the viewer would be trying to figure out what has changed and what is different. It wouldn't be concentrating on the story. And again, you have characters in your roster that can actually be used to tell this story, DC. Like you have Calvin Ellis, you have Val Zod, you have these characters available to you. I don't understand why you're not using them. It just, it, it boggles my mind. But at the same time, I mean, I trust in ta Coates as a writer. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his writing. I, uh, I love his run on Captain America. I love his run on, on Black Panther. My only thing is, is that it doesn't seem like Warner Brothers wants to assuage the concerns of fans. So it's like they're not putting anything out there saying, hey, you know what? This this is not what we're doing. Like we're not doing a, a we're not just making uh, Clark Kent black. Like that would go a long way to kind of, I wouldn't necessarily even say saving the, uh, saving the situation, saving the film. But it would go a long way to kind of assuaging the concerns of fans who think that you're just black facing a white character. I mean, it just it doesn't it doesn't work for me. Nothing about it works for me. I like the writer. I like him a lot. I think he's a great writer. I think that he could bring in a unique perspective to a unique character. I'm not a huge fan of J.J. Abrams in a lot of things, but I kind of I kind of like a lot of the things he's produced. This just feels like a misstep on a lot of levels, and I I don't under I don't understand. But you know, if you have a different perspective, let me know. Like, let me know in the comments. Let me know. Like, uh, email me superpowerfancastgmail.com. Let me know on Twitter at superpoweredfan. What do you think? of this like what do you think of a black Superman just being a black version of Clark Kent maybe you have a perspective that I never that I that I never thought about and frankly I would love to hear it. now the next thing I want to talk about is um, I had a, a conversation with my brother and we he had just uh, finished watching WandaVision and he was talking about um the Quicksilver retcon, and he was talking about bring, the fact that he enjoyed that they brought in the Quicksilver from the from the uh, Fox X Men universe. And the thing is, is that we were in the midst of our conversation. We started talking about bringing the X Men into the MCU, and that's when I started thinking that there's unfortunately a lot of problems with that. Now, I mean. The fans, myself included, I mean, Marvel's Mutants are now in the hands of Marvel Studios, and, and I'm clamoring for an X-Men for an X-Men film. I want to see them join Captain America and Thor and Captain Marvel and, and others in the big screen universe, but the question I have to ask is, can they? See, what Fox did, and I, they, you know, they had some 
I had a lot of problems with the with the Fox films. There were some I enjoyed, some I didn't. The timeline mess up screw ups are legendary. I can't even uh, get into what they've done with the universe that they created. But the one thing that they had right was with the exclusion of all other uh, characters, they had a singular universe for their characters. Now, how does that work versus the shared universe of of Marvel's of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Now, one of the issues I have is that at, one of the main issues I had with the Fox X Men movies was they focused their franchise on one character. Like the first films were all about Wolverine. Like he was the he was in essence he was the lens for which we saw the rest of the world. He was our he was our way into this universe. All the films were about him, wrapped around him, including and like he, to the point where he had his own solo films. But that's what they did. They made the entire run of their films about Wolverine's Wolverine's journey. And then the next films, when they started doing like prequels and Dark Phoenix, that they made all the films about Mystique. So again, you had the same formula, just with a different character. And the problem that they had was that all the main characters got sidelined to concentrate on stories about Wolverine and Mystique. So the problem I have is... How do you take those characters and put them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and have it make sense? And the biggest problem I have, and I know this is going to rub some people the wrong way, is that the X-Men are not really superheroes. Not in the, not in the classic sense. Not even in the, not the literal sense. They don't go out and necessarily... Uh, they don't foil bank robberies. They don't stop uh, international terrorists. In fact, most of the time they're considered terrorists uh, because uh, the the world sees all mutants as as terrorists or as the enemy. But the biggest problem that the X Men have is internal. Like they have a world that hates that hates and fears them because they're mutants, and because of that. Their struggles are internal struggles. Like they were cre- they were created in essence as a tactical response team, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But their struggles have always been mutant versus mutant. Like their their first like real outing was them versus Magneto. There was he was com- committing a terrorist act. They were sent out to stop him. And that's the crux of what they've really been about, is just stopping other mutant threats. In fact, they were cre- they were basically created to do that. Like Charles Xavier created his X-Men in order to, yes, defend humanity from mutant threats, but also to rescue mutants from oppressive humans. So, I mean, how do you create that story in the MCU when you have no precedent? Like, there's no anti-mutant sentiment. There are no mutants. So, how does that work? I mean, again, going into the struggle is that they, in essence, always face fellow mutants. For the most part. The threats against them 
and threats against the world committed by mutants. So if you have no history of mutants in the MCU, how do you bring a mutant team forward in the MCU and have it make sense? I mean, it's a, it's a big question. Like, how do you translate that story? I mean, again, they're a tactical response team for the most part. Like, they stop mutant threats, they protect innocent mutants, but they don't go out and necessarily affect anything else in the rest of the world, which is one of the reasons, again, why they were historically seen as terrorists themselves. Because there, there, was, no, there was no trust there, and that, that was fine. That was part of it. Like, you would have to create a world within the MCU where anti-mutant sentiment was growing, where there was anti-mutant sentiment in the first place. There'd have to actually be mutants to hate. So you'd have to create a justification for it. Now, my idea is that you more than likely would have to take the Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, Ms. Marvel, um armor wars like Ben you would have to in essence do the X-Men as a TV series as a limited series because there'd have to be a way and a reason for them to make it to the big screen you would have to establish the characters you'd have to establish their struggle you'd have to establish their place in the world you have to establish their place in the larger world and then once you do that then you can bring them into the bigger universe with a film. In essence, like you have to build the X-Men from the ground up. Like you couldn't just like I know there are a lot of people that just think, hey, you know, we just um, the multiverse saves all or the multiverse solves all problems. But that would be a cop out, in my opinion. It, it, it just would. Because in essence what you're saying is is that I don't trust you as a viewer to follow these characters, to believe in their struggle, and to have a uh, and have any engagement or investment in their adventures. What I'm saying is, it would just be like here, here, here are mutants. This is what you wanted, and this is what I'm giving you. So the biggest problem I have with the X Men in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that there's a hard way for them to get in. And there's not a whole there's not a whole lot of wiggle room considering what's already been established over the last ten years. Like you can't just automatically slide them in as in fact, what you would have to end up doing is almost making them a threat. Like you would have to kind of set the X-Men as bad guys and then have the Avengers or the bigger Marvel Universe come to realize that they're not. Because you couldn't just, they couldn't just show up one day. So, I mean, at least that's just my opinion. Uh, and again, I could be wrong. If you, have a, if you have a theory or a way that the X-Men could come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe that makes sense character story and uh, character and story-wise, I would love to hear it. Let me know in the comments. Um, but again, it's, it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell for me. And I want to see it. I love the X-Men. I love the, I love the allegorical nature of it. I love the allegorical nature of the fact that it's about civil rights, that it's about, um, it's about hatred, it's about overcoming, hate, overcoming hatred. But it has to happen organically. Like, it, it can't be forced. 
Like it, it, that's the only way that it make it any way, shape, or form relevant or engaging to me as a viewer is that it has to happen organically. You can't just give it to me and, and think, oh, okay, and think I'm just going to accept it as is. Especially with everything that you that Marvel has done over the last 10 years, setting up this universe and these characters that we care about. Like you'd have to do something. You'd have to do something big. You'd have to do something meaningful for me. So the next thing I want to talk about is like I, I read comics. I, I read at least thirty to forty comics a week. Uh, I, I have a huge list of uh, comics that I pick. There are some that I love. There's some that I just that I don't like. My barometer for for comics, especially when I do comic reviews, is is that um, because it's something new out in the world, it always starts at 100 because it's something that's new. Now, as it's as I read it and I get into it or don't get into it, then that score either climbs or lowers based on um, based on how I feel. But uh, normally, it's it's a lot gets subtracted. But I'm just a huge lover of comics. So one of the things I want to talk about is. This week, just a, f- a few that I, a few that I liked, and one that I didn't particularly like. I just so it's a it's a segment I'm calling Pick or Pass. So there are a lot of uh, great comics that that came out this week from, from different publishers: DC, Marvel, Boom Studios, Image Comics. Um, I would definitely uh, recommend you uh, go to your local comic shop and pick and pick some up. Uh, one of the first ones I want to uh, mention is Silk Number no. Three. Ringu and uh, Takeshi Miyazawa, and I apologize if I got that name wrong, but uh, this is a great adventure story. I love the uh, duality of the character. I love the, the threats to the character. I love the fact that she's dealing with not only her own internal struggles, but also uh, her external threats. I think it's it's very well written. It looks beautiful. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great story overall. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is Peter Parker, The Amazing Shutter Book. Now, uh, Jason Aaron is doing this uh, this big Heroes Reborn story where he's uh, removed the Avengers from the world and the Squadron Supreme are the heroes of Earth. And there's some great elements to it. I like the, I like the story overall. But with every, you know, big event story, and this one isn't, I don't know if it's necessarily as big as some of the other ones. I mean, they just kind of already completed the uh the king and black uh event series with uh with null so i don't know if this is necessarily going to be that big but of course with any event series you're going to have uh spinoff comics and uh and one shots and this one is uh peter parker the amazing shutterbug Uh, it's by uh, it's written by uh, mark bernardin and is art from uh rafael della torre and ron lim and I didn't like it. It's a it's a hard pass for me, and the reason why, honestly, and I you know I don't particularly like to spoil things, but they've set up the Squadron Supreme, and the Squadron Supreme Supreme in Marvel Comics is a is a parody of the Justice League. I mean, there's there's no way around it. There's no way to not see it. I mean, the speedster, the super. Uh, the Superman character, the bat, the the world's greatest detective, Batman type, the the, the female Amazon, like it's it's the Justice League. But what they've set up, what Bernard set up with 
with Peter Parker is that he's Jimmy Olsen in essence. Like he he doesn't get bitten by the spider. Um, he has uh, he works for the Daily Bugle, and he's running around taking pictures of of uh, Hyperion. So I mean, it's a uh, it, it's a Jimmy Olsen story. The problem I have is is that. It's kind of set up as a what-if type story, but it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't take any chances. Like, there's a subplot where Hyperion's actions cause the death of someone close to Peter, but that never seems to change his perspective or outcome. I mean, all he does is kind of mumble under his breath, like, you know, um, cursing at Hyperion, but he never does anything with it. In fact, it's almost like it really is a what-if story that takes no chances. Like, nothing happens within this story whatsoever. And it's disappointing, because even the thing that happens to Peter in the end, it just doesn't feel, like, doesn't feel earned. In fact, it's almost like a, it's almost a throwaway, because I never get a sense that this actually means anything. To the point where I was reading the comments, I was like, why is this even here? Like, why did, why does this... Why does this matter in the sense of this bigger Heroes Reborn story where you have Blade trying to <laughs> trying to find out what happened to the Avengers? Like why why tell this story? It just seemed it it, it, it felt like a waste to me. Um, not necessarily a waste in the fact that it didn't need to exist, it just felt like a waste in the fact that the story just never took a chance to do anything interesting. So the next one I have is uh, Seven Secrets. It's by uh, Boom Studios. It's Tom Taylor, Danielle Nicola, and again, I apologize if I got that name wrong. Um, but this is a great, this is a great story, and I would recommend like starting from the beginning. Uh, it's about a, a secret order that uh, carries the most, that protects the most dangerous secrets on the planet, and. This in this issue, and I'm not going to spoil it. In this issue, uh, one of those secrets has been opened, and it causes destruction. And the order has to determine what they're going to do. Um, and the opposing forces against them are coming after the rest of the secrets. It's a great adventure-style story with some great kind of anime-infused art. So it's it's really fun from start to finish. The characters are great. The adventure is really great. The action is cool. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this series. Um, the last one I'm going to talk about is uh, DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration. Uh, this one is a lot of uh, writers and artists. It's a lot of different small stories uh, featuring the Asian characters, uh, like Asian, Asian American, Pacific Islander uh, characters of, uh, of DC Comics. So you've got like stories from uh, Rico Tamaki and uh, Amy Chu. you got art from Marcus, Marcus Toe and Sami Basri. Uh, there's some great stories throughout it. Like there was not one that I could necessarily say was my favorite because they were all really good. They all had had great uh, perspectives on the characters, great perspectives on the situations, great perspectives on um, representation. There's a there was there's a, a great story within it about um, uh, about tolerance. There's a lot of there's some things in it that are definitely political. Um, uh, especially in the in the climate we live in, but it's a great uh, it, it's a great read from start to finish, and it actually a lot of characters that I don't necessarily uh, pick up on a weekly basis. Uh, it was in, 
made me interested in reading their stories, like reading about them as characters. And that's something, frankly, I think comics comics should do, uh, especially when you talk about comics that are uh, representing um, uh, marginalized characters and minorities. It kind of you kind of want that perspective. So. Um, that's it for me for uh, this week on the Superpowered Fancast. I'll be having uh, some more episodes like this where I talk about things. I'll be, I'm setting up some more uh, interviews uh, coming up soon because I love doing those. Um, but again, you can always uh, let me know what you think in the comments. Uh, you can email me at uh, superpoweredfancast at uh, gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at superpoweredfan. And uh, you can also get the audio version of, of this episode. It's going to be on uh, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, thank you again. And for Superpowered Fancast, this is Darren signing off.